Good evening, listeners to the Volleys of History. It's Jared here. And this is Ryan. And we are coming at you. We're still outside because it is still like 90 and some degrees. It feels great out here. And I think it's important to describe the setting that we're in. We're in my backyard. Yeah. This is a new place that we've lived in or that we just moved to. Ryan has put up some romantic uh, Christmas lights so that we can see stuff, which is especially nice because I'm wearing my glasses and not my contacts, and they're about eight years old. So I'm having a little hard time seeing I know. It's, it's pretty dark, but I've got, like, just about any kind of, like, ornamental light that you could ask for, really. I got You the, do. I got the dangling ones. I got the icicle ones. Yeah. I got these little Those, like, Chinese ones. Yeah, like, ones. Yeah. Like, you see, like, a really crappy Chinese yeah. buffet. Yeah. So it's, like, just enough light to do this out here. Exactly. It's so that's perfect. where we're at. Right. And it is still warm. It is warm. Yeah. And it's been a warm minute since we last were at you guys, but I think it's been about two weeks, but that's because we've both been out of town. Yeah. And we've been, well, you've been doing some pretty awesome stuff. Yeah. Went down the Grand Canyon with my dad, seven days, 188 miles, and it was great. Yeah? It was incredible. My dad, he, he summed it up well. He said, uh, he can't really explain it to anybody. He's having a hard time explaining it. He's yeah. choked up when he's talking about it. Yeah. And he's not an emotional guy. So yeah. Oh, which I think it's so funny. Yeah. But yeah, he said the best way he figured it out was, he said, it will change you mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. And I think that pretty well captures that trip. So shout out to Wilderness River Adventures. If you guys ever want to go through the Grand Canyon, go with Wilderness. You sleep on a cot. You eat prime rib. Um, it's a great trip. Yeah. From what you've described to me and the experiences of people that I've heard, it's just the most incredible thing in the world. And to be able to do it with your dad, I think it was something so special for you, too. It was so special. And yeah. I'm sure you you knew the challenges going into it, mm-hmm. but you fully embraced them, and yeah. I think, yeah, you guys clearly had an absolute blast. It was so cool. Right, yeah. Keeping a carton and a half of Marlboro Ultralights dry on a river trip in the Grand Canyon is a task. <laughs> but we were just su- in case. Those were the just in we case. We were successful. <laughs> And that's good. And your dad, just the most blue-collar guy out there, just works super hard. And oh, yeah. Man, I, I can't imagine he ever thought he would do something like that. No. And it was so, yeah, it was just so special sharing that. And that was my first time, too, you know, sharing yep. that moment with, with my dad. Yeah. It, was, it almost brings tears to Yeah. Eyes. And that kind of comes back to where we're at. You know, mm-hmm. we're out here in northern Arizona. You work and are employed, basically, on the river, which runs from basically right where Page is, the end of the Glen Canyon Dam. Yep. South. And that's still Glen Canyon. That's the part that you work. But after, at Lee's Ferry, which we did a story mm-hmm. on, episode one. Yep. That begins the Grand Canyon. So that's where you started. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And you had some time with your pops. Yeah, I had a good time. You know, I got to go back to Denver, which is, it's always a push to, to make it back home mm-hmm. during school. But yeah, it was well worth it. Got to spend some good time with uh, family and friends. Shout out to all those people. Good Love stuff. you all. And uh, yeah, it's crazy. I was driving back. Um, yesterday, Monday, on uh, Labor Day. Oh, wow, that was yesterday. And that was crazy. And just, like, you're driving on 285, which is a pretty small road, but still, like, a, a major bypass get in, in and out of the Rocky Mountains from Denver. And just the traffic was just insane. Wait, like, between... Are you talking... Do you go to Durango Way? Or yeah, so I came... Way? Like, I'm going out of Denver. I'm mm-hmm. leaving Denver. But all these people coming back for the weekend. Oh. I'm just passing just lines of cars. Trailers. Yeah. Just... Now, I've never seen that many people just driving in the mountains that's wow. not on I-70, which is just nuts. Right. And it just speaks to how many people are back in Denver. Yeah, I think that's the 
you know, brings up a good point of like everybody listening, if you don't live in Colorado, don't move there. Yeah. <laughs> and if you've moved to Colorado in the last ten years, you should leave. Yeah, we don't like you. We don't like you. Yeah. You're kind of ruining everything. I know. We're like we're super posh about that, but I feel yeah. like we deserve to be. We do. Yeah, we were, we're, we're, we're born and raised. We were born and raised, and then we left. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and now we sit from afar and judge. <laughs> exactly. You peasants, get out of our state. <laughs> get out of here. We're not even good enough for that I'm going to move to the middle of the desert, because I hate you all so much. Oh, that's honestly partly true. That's why I, it's tough seeing myself back there, but... Honestly. We digress. So that's what's been going on in our, in our lives, and we're happy to be back. Episode four. Yes, episode four. So, for those of you who are not connected to us on Facebook or <clears throat> Facebook, um, just so you know, our podcast can be found at buzz, like buzz like a bee, buzzsprout.com slash 529261. So, if you need to pause you that. Need to, you need to read, pause that and yeah, write it down. And write it down, because it's good. And, I, and also, I just got to give a shout out to uh, our listeners. You know, we've had some... We've had some people listening, and we, I, I think we've had like 10 people listen to all three episodes, yeah. which is big. Shout out. I thought it was going to be two. Yeah, it's just the two yeah. of us. And just, for, uh, you know, just for, the, for the record, my wife has only listened to a half of one episode. <laughs> so those 10 of you who listen to them all, thank you. That's great. Oh, no, yeah, we've got, yeah, we're up to, on our website, which you should definitely check out. I don't even remember the number, but I hope, hopefully you wrote it down. Yeah, it's 529 <laughs> And you can also find that on our Facebooks, too. Correct. And, uh, but you're going to want to probably say it again. Just, yeah. Just, should we make just a song about it? One more time. That's 529261. The volley's five, like two, history. 529261. Oh, it's 261. Oh, 261. There we go. Okay. Right. That's enough. <laughs> yeah. That's right. probably good. If you haven't written it down by now, you clearly don't love us. <laughs> That's right. Yes. So anyway, we're we're happy to be here and we're happy to keep doing this. It's been a ton of fun for us, and mm-hmm. we're just gonna keep keep hitting you with it. Yeah. Um. So I think as we talked about last time on episode three, as a baby, which we are, we're a baby podcast. Mm-hmm. As it comes into the world, it's yeah, got just squirming, got, just squirming and flailing like, his little arms. Its eyes are like can't even open because <laughs> it's used to the, the fluid the of dark. the uterus. <laughs> I was born in the dark. <laughs> Yeah, but they're, they're yeah they don't know how to do anything. So we're we're getting there, <laughs> just like them. And I think it's important that we you know kind of clean up ourselves a little bit. You know yeah, I mean? to be probably. as professional as we can. I got a haircut you know before that trip, and I I'm feeling more professional and hey, ready to. You do You want to know? What? I got a haircut on Friday, so I think we're ready to do. You this. did. Let's wait. Let's yeah, see. It. Check it out. What do you think? Wow. All right. Yeah, Ryan's hair is definitely short on the sides. Not much off the top, but the top's still pretty long. I know she left it pretty long. I was honestly okay with it. I mean, I feel like you, you have to you have to experience you have to know this experience. Just like a really pretty girl cutting your hair is just like it's amazing. There's something just so like yeah. about that, you know. You know, I've honestly I can honestly say I don't think I've ever had a really pretty. I mean, no offense to the women who've cut my hair, but there's never been one that I was like, oh wow, you're really pretty. Yeah, it's more like you look safe and like you have five kids. I'm gonna tell you my problems. <laughs> It's crazy how much you open up to a person that's cutting your hair. It is. They're just behind you. You know, you're not vulnerable. Well, you're very vulnerable. You're, you're so vulnerable. Because, I mean, they're holding, like, a like a razor-sharp pair of scissors. Like, they could slit your throat. It could do some damage. Yeah. That'd be terrifying. Right. <laughs> but you put a lot of trust in them, and I just think, like, I don't know, when it's just, like, a pretty... I trust her to cut it however she wants to cut it. Honestly, Absolutely. I want to tell her that, like... 
listen, right. whatever you think is best here, yeah. maybe just go for it. Just please help me. So anyway, we thank the, the pretty women, all the all the haircut ladies. Yeah, They're all doing the good hair, work. The hair barbers. Keeping men looking like we have some kind of clue. (laughs) Exactly. So that's us looking good, having some kind of clue. And uh, we, but with us kind of acknowledging that we want to be a little more professional, something tragic has happened. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I'm always really good about our fact checks and I write them down on these um, like three by three inch post-its and somehow I lost it in the past week. So... With that in mind, if you listen to episode three, just assume that all the facts are correct. Um, even if we said fact check, it was probably right. Yeah, we're we're always one hundred percent accurate about everything. So uh, I feel like that's probably just a bit, yeah. We're probably like one hundred percent accurate, like at least fifty percent of the time. So, <laughs> Absolutely. But if you don't, <laughs> but if we if we miss a fact. We have another great resource through yeah. the interwebs. Ryan, you want to tell them about we this? Wanna, we want to hear about it. Yeah. So, like, obviously that was a lot of sarcasm. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to mess up a lot, honestly. Mm-hmm. And we want to know, because I think that's the beauty of history. The volleys of history, if mm-hmm. you will. Is that... Sometimes you, you know, miss a volley. <laughs> sometimes you miss a volley. <laughs> it just goes right over your head. <laughs> it does. So we need to know about that. So please send us an email. Yeah. Hit us up on Gmail. We're on there. It's not the. There's no the. It's just volleys of history. At? At gmail.com. So volleys of history at gmail.com. Yeah, so that's going to be volleys, V O L L E Y S O F H I S T O R Y. The letter at. The letter at? <laughs> No, the letter at. What would you call that? It's a symbol, Ryan. A I symbol. know. But it's on almost every keyboard now. What is that called? Back check. It's called the at. The at symbol. And what if it has a fancy name, though? It's called the eh. <laughs> it's more like, oh. Because <laughs> it does that little, like, circle. It's it like, does, whoa. Like, oh. <laughs> Lovely. We just named it. Okay, so it's volleys of history. Oh. Gmail.com. Perfect, got it. And we're gonna take your emails, um, and we're gonna we're gonna fact check this good. Yeah, yeah. Because we want to, we, and I think it's I think it's beneficial for us to kind of revisit the episode, kind of right. catch people up, up on where we are, and also address some of the things that we talked about last episode, which is good to do in a fact check. Right. So, and that's the other thing too. Like, there's so many opinions on history, and just depends on which angle you look at it. Mm-hmm. We're always interested to hear feedback. Absolutely. So any kind of feedback you have for for us, whether yeah. it be a fact check or Anything. Suggestions. Thank Volleys you. Volleys of history at gmail.com. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. So, quick recap before we get started. Um, last week, me and Ryan uh, randomly picked topics that the other person wrote. I talked about uh, the Coronado expedition and specifically um, Cardenas, who was the first person to see the Grand Canyon. And that kind of blended well in with Ryan's topic of... And I did the history of water bottles. Yep. Which, like you said, you chose for me to write, and I chose one for you to write, or three, and you picked. Right. And I think that went so well. It's crazy. Like, we have so many things to pick from, mm-hmm. and we both picked those two things. But I feel like what I loved about last episode, and if you haven't listened to it, check it out, is how much we, how much it flowed. And just, like, what, what flows, Jared? What's one thing that flows? Water. 
And that's what we spent a lot of time talking about last this episode was water. H two. So, yeah, we talked oh. about the history of water bottles and spent a lot of time talking about water, the importance, the protection of it, the use of it. So Absolutely. yeah, check it out. And uh, yeah, here we are, episode four. We're back to the normal routine. Yeah. Neither of us know what the other person's going to talk about, but I we got each picked no, our own story. Right. I got no idea what Ryan's going to tell me, but it is Ryan's turn to go first. Yes. And so we're going to get started. Are you ready? I think so. All right. All right. This Let's, is uh, Volleys of History. Let's get started. Let's do it. And here we go. Um, so, this week, Jared, I want to kind of start you with a theme that's kind of fun to think about. All right. How rivals turn into best friends. Okay? So, oh. just kind of an interesting theme to think about. I'm not going to talk about a terrible amount, but just kind of an overall theme, which is kind of fun. Yeah. What I am going to talk about is something that we all love very, very much. They're around us all the time. I'm... Okay, what, what keep going, and I'm going to guess. Yeah, I'm, I think you probably already know. Yeah. We'll, let, we'll, we'll dig it in a little bit. We'll sink our teeth into yeah. it a little bit more. Okay, okay. So hopefully you know by now. <laughs> but yeah, these guys have been around in our everyday lives. You see, you probably see one of these every day, or I hope you see one every day. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I would wish upon everyone. I do. And uh, I think it's time. What do you think? Uh, Twinkies. <laughs> it's absolutely Twinkies. <laughs> it is? No, it's not Twinkies. Oh, <laughs> I was like, I sink my teeth into those. I see them every day. Yeah? I see a Twinkie every day. <laughs> I can't believe we went to a food that was... You think I was going to do that? History said, of food? No. You said sink your teeth into it. Like, what, what was it? What is it? Like a chair? Oh, I don't okay. sink my teeth into chairs or tables. Or... All right. We'll see them. I'll keep going. <laughs> I got... I got... Uh, let's see another clue here. You better keep your tail on it. Um, dogs. Yes. Dogs. dogs! Yep. Dogs. That was a bad one. Oh, you're going to talk about dogs. I'm going to do the history of dogs. Hell yeah. That's yep. a good one. Cool. So yeah, we're going to dive right into it. We're going to talk about the history of dogs. Everybody loves dogs. I don't want to spend too much time talking about that because I don't want to waste time here. We can clearly accept that everyone freaking loves dogs. Everyone loves dogs. And even if you don't really like dogs, like dogs are amazing and you have to kind of take a step back and just appreciate them. So Absolutely. I, I want to dive into the history of it a little bit more. And All we'll, right. we'll love on them enough as we go through. Yeah, we were just on the lake this weekend. There's a dog there. Yeah. And it's like, they're just so entertaining. Yeah. You know, just like you're bored. Well, there's a dog. Let's just watch him and see what... <laughs> See what weird shenanigans we can get him to do. Oh, that dog just ate his own crap. Like, oh, look at that, he's drowning. <laughs> what else can you do that's funny? <laughs> All right, man. So we're uh, we're gonna dive in. Here we go. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna zoom way back, and we're gonna kind of just continue on like a linear trajectory from way 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 back when to now. Okay. So we're gonna go back two hundred thousand years ago, what? which is when which is when the modern human is like slowly starting to emerge. Okay, okay, modern human. And it's it's said that almost anywhere you find modern day humans, you find dogs or some kind of dog breed with them. Okay? All right. But that took time to get there. So we'll we'll get there. But 100,000 years ago, we're going to fast forward. We're kind of moving on. 100,000 mm-hmm. years ago is when the human humanity or modern humans started to kind of emerge into Eurasia. So we're moving up from Africa in the current Middle East taking over, going going west towards Europe, mm-hmm. going north towards present-day Russia, and then, of course, going east, India, China. We're moving, humans are moving that way. But at this time, across the whole entire Eurasian steppe, which that whole area pretty much is raised in elevation. It's a pretty pretty high in elevation. So what, like, modern-day countries are we talking about? Modern-day, like, 
West China, okay, um, Mongolia, Russia, Ukraine, like okay, I, Turkmenistan, I, I see what you're all that middle, like the Caspian Sea and Black Sea, that whole area, right? Kind of like is where, the, yeah, like the, the the foothills, if you will, the Himalaya, yeah, towards and honestly, honestly, pushing over towards the Alps, okay. So like that, but that's where humans are kind of spreading. Right. Okay, they're slowly starting to spread. Gotcha. But at this time, in that climate and on that land, humans had a massive rival competing for food. And that was Canis lupus, which is gray wolf. The wolf. Okay. Yeah. But Canis lupus is dominating the food chain. Wolves are dominating the food chain. They, are, they can smell prey over a mile away. They can run faster than humans. They can clearly, like I said, smell better than humans. Mm-hmm. They can almost communicate and hunt in better ways, too. And not only that, but obviously claws and big teeth. Right. So they're, they're better, they're honestly better hunters than humans for a long time, which in my opinion probably delayed the growth of humanity is because we were competing for food so much with these wolves. So, like I said, huge rivals. And for a long time, too. Mm-hmm. Imagine, like, from, I don't even know, like, the pyramids to now. That amount of time is how much time we used to spend fighting with wolves, <laughs> which is just crazy to think about. Right. It's, like, a really long time. Um, so, when you say competing, it's 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 more of, like, wow, there's no elk here or caribou because the wolves have killed them all. Like, it's not, like, a direct, like, it's not, like, hand-to-hand, like, I mean, I have to imagine they... I mean, I have to imagine that there was a little bit of, but it's no, it's not combat. It's not. Right. It's not them getting getting nitty gritty. Okay. Down okay. on down on floor, but they're probably attacking each other. You know, but they, but like you said, it, the main competition is right. for food. I see. Okay. Yeah, they're competing for food, um, and I think the reasons why humans were so good at hunting, and the reason why we've progressed the way we have now, is a couple of things. One is the ability to communicate, which is mm-hmm. clearly the reason, if you look at any anthropology, which is like the reason why humans have progressed the way they have, mm-hmm. and the reason why we dominate the planet and dominate the food chain, dominate so much in the world, is because of our ability to communicate, to teach things, mm-hmm. to communicate lessons and jobs, tasks, hunt, things like that. Right. Dogs were able to do the same thing social groups. They had these really complex social groups. They were able to hunt and communicate better than a lot of animals, which is why they've progressed in a lot of ways a similar path that humans have. And the other reason is because of something called persistence hunting, mm-hmm. which is something humans used to do a lot. Oh, yeah. And, I know about persistence hunting. And let's talk about it because I wanted to talk about it. All right. There's this great book out there mm-hmm. called Born to Run. Yeah. And I think, I don't think I've earned the right to talk about it because you're a runner. Oh, I love to run. You talk about talk about the book Born to Run. Yeah, I read it. So, man, there's a lot. But I mean, I guess like in a nutshell, with what we're talking about, um, one of the theories is how humans, Homo sapiens, have survived um, is because of their ability to run. Because we don't have claws, we don't have protective covering over our skin. We're not that fast at a dead sprint. We can't swim. Um, we're slow. And oh, we're so slow. We're very we're slow. So slow. So it's kind of like a wonder, like, well, why are, well, yeah, we're smart, but, you know, if it came down to meeting most animals, like, we would lose. So the theory was that basically humans, um, being bipeds, meaning walking on two legs, have developed the ability to run for long distances. And that is how we survived. It's not that we were 
strength, like could harness prey because we're so strong, not because we could run it down because we're so fast, but because we could run long enough and tire less quickly than our prey that our prey would just exhaust themselves and yeah. we could kill them right there. And that's that's yeah. what persi- persistence hunting is. Right. Exactly. Which is, so which is exactly what wolves used to do. Okay. They would do the same thing. They'd just hunt them and hunt them and hunt them for, for very long periods of time. Mm-hmm. And it's said, I think he even talks about it in the book, according to Run, uh-huh. he even talks about how the only animal that comes close to humans' ability to run long distances is the dog. Yep, is like the, yeah. And some dogs, which we'll talk about soon, some dogs were bred to do that. You look at Siberian Huskies. Right. Dogs that run dog sleds. Those dogs were bred to do that. Right, 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 right. Yeah. But it's pretty cool. And, yeah, I mean, just like, just an idea, um, like that's in that book is, and at a marathon distance, a human can beat a horse. Mm-hmm. Like elite humans, like humans who run and are very fit, can beat a horse in a race. It's crazy. And that's how one of the most famous races, the Western States 100 mile race, started was because of starting a bar, a man bet a guy that um, he could beat his horse, him and his horse, in a race, in a foot race over 100 miles. Sure enough, he won. They still hold that race, and humans <laughs> have won for decades. That's amazing. And that's mm-hmm. how the 100 miles started. That's how it started. Oh my God! Was amazing. this like the guy in the bar? Like, yeah, I could beat your horse in a race. So I mean, it, it's wow. there is some good evidence. Of That's it. crazy to think about. You think about like trying to run away from a horse. You're yeah. never gonna do that. Well, you know what it is? It's, it has a lot like, to do with their lungs. Yeah. So basically, like, when when animals with four legs are running, um, I don't know about dogs, but um, when their legs come together, their lungs collapse. Yeah. So their breathing is limited by their stride. Yeah. So quick strides, they're. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean? Yes, it is the same with dogs because all four legs right. are off the ground yeah. and they're in. Like if you watch when animals run, when they're getting traction, both of their legs are like on the exactly. ground and then they leave the ground for a second and yeah. their lungs collapse, right? Yeah. Whereas humans, we can we can like play with our breathing no matter what stride, repetition or speed we're going at, yeah. which is a huge advantage yeah. among others, but... Yeah, and that's why, like, if you look at, it's crazy, this is this is going to tie back into the dogs eventually here, but the breeding of, like, short-distance greyhounds, greyhounds run like that. Their legs would look similar, the leg pattern and the lung movement would look more similar to a horse, huh. but they train, dog sled dogs are trained to run almost, well, there's a, there's a fact check for sure, but uh, they're trained to run differently. Oh, no, I would agree. That opens up, that leaves their lungs to be able to be opened right. up more. Yeah, because yeah. they can, they can like, that way they can, like, regulate their breathing because yeah. they're not taking these strides. They're an endurance dog. Yeah. They're not a sprinter. They're not the Usain Bolt. Yeah. You know, they're the, I'm not going to name some obscure runners, <laughs> so you can just continue. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, we'll bring it back. So we're going to kind of zoom back again. We're going to kind of go back. To these, to these dogs that are living in these groups and their persistence hunting, which is where we went with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in these social groups, obviously similar to humans, you're going to have, when you have a complicated social group, you're going to have exiles. You're going to have loners. Yeah. Because they're just people that are not as strong, like weaklings, we would call them. <laughs> right. Mentally or physically weaklings. And they're going to get kind of pushed to the side in these primal cultures. Mm-hmm. And dogs are the same way. So you get a lot of these dogs that are kind of by themselves, and now this is fascinating because this was, I don't know, I, I always say that species kind of make decisions, Whatever, whichever dog was the first, like, loner to be like, there's some humans over there, maybe I should, maybe I should go check it out. 
That smells good. And he goes over, and he's by himself, and he goes over by the humans, because he sees food, and he hasn't seen food in forever, and he's one dog, <clears throat> similar to one human. One dog really is not going to be able to hunt the prey that they would normally eat. Mm-hmm. So he goes over to the human camp, and he's like, you guys have some food? <laughs> and there are some humans over there. You can be the you can be the other humans with me. Hey. The other humans. The other humans are like, hey, there's a dog over there. Hey, you get out of here, dog. Hey, come on, scram. You ate our elk last week, dick. <laughs> I seen you. I seen you eat it. You asshole. <laughs> I seen you done it. You canis. And then Can-ass. and then there was some some man in the group that was like, but guys. Oh, looks- it wasn't a guy. Let's, let's, <laughs> okay, let's set the record straight here. There's no way it was not a woman who said, oh, the dog. <laughs> oh, man. Whichever woman that was, she that was a moment for yeah. women and dogs to stand up and say, that dog looks hungry. We should feed him. Dude, I I mean I cannot I can I can speak from experience just with Lauren, my wife. Like if there's a dog present, it doesn't matter if I'm bleeding, injured, emotionally hurt. Like that it's like the dog is takes precedent. Man, this is why women love dogs. Yeah. Women love women love dogs. They do. I think yeah. there's a lot of girls out there that would just like give everything up for a guy with a dog. <laughs> I mean, that's why dudes get puppies, you know? I know. It's like, well, you know, I'm sick of being single. I'm going to get a puppy. (laughs) Flash forward two years and you're married. Yep, there you go. (laughs) That's how you do it. (laughs) So anyway, whichever woman that was and whichever dog that was, they went down in history because more of these kind of lonely dogs started coming closer to human camps. And while at first I'm sure they were like, get out of here, and they chased them away, I'm sure, they started, humans started to be a little more kind to them. So, as evolution progresses, as time passes, Mm -hmm. those dogs that were closer to human camps, that got free food, and didn't really have to work for it, started having babies. And those babies had 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 babies. And by that time, they were genetically modified to be more tame. Wow. And you know what I wonder, too, is were they genetically, like... Were they cuter dogs? You know what I mean? Like, appearance-wise. Yeah. Yes. And yes, they absolutely were. They had small... I was going to talk about that. They have smaller snouts, uh-huh. smaller teeth, and they're smaller in stature, too. So they're cute. Yeah. So, like, humans are like, aw, puppy, as opposed <laughs> to, like, ah, uh. Yeah, and it's not like, it, it, And it <laughs> learned, these dogs, these early, old-ass dogs... Right. ...learned the puppy dog face. Oh. The, the puppy dog face... Is the reason puppies are here now? Yeah, it's because it is. they played that card. They're like, mm, can I have some food? Exactly. Like, I've been hunting this food. You get out of here. Uh-huh. I've been hunting this food. But they're like, oh, can, I, can I have some of that? And then you're like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, sure. get over here. Here you go. Take the leg. Take the <laughs> leg of this sloth, giant sloth, whatever they were hunting back then. Probably know. giant sloth. Probably dinosaurs. Yeah, absolutely. Nah, nah, have some, have some T Rex. <laughs> nobody, nobody bothered about fact checking that. That was, uh, it was, some, that was some aggressive. Joke. So anyway, as these, as these dogs start to, like I said, breed and kind of evolve into more tamer, docile dogs. Right. Humans started to put them to work because, let's be honest, they were freeloading. They're just oh, sitting yeah. there like, hey, I want some free food. I'll yeah. be cute. And they're like, all right, cool. So we started putting them to work. We have them start guarding our camps, protecting us from people that are coming in, 
and alerting us, um, and also their keen sense of smell, eventually leads to helping with hunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so they're similar, I wrote this down, their similar social structure can be attributed to, or can be attributed to part of the reason why they integrated so well in, like, hum, human society. Families, okay. you have a dog. Family, you have a dog. Because that's the way that their social structure worked. Mm-hmm. Because they're very social animals. Oh, I forgot to say it at the beginning. One thing we were going to start doing on our podcast is mentioning our sources. There's a great video on YouTube that I got most of this information from. And kind of, I like the way they laid it out. Got a bunch of stuff on um, Business Insider. Great article on there, too. Cool. But yeah, check out that. It's, I think it's a TED-Ed video. And uh, yeah, they eventually started being on the outside of our communities, kind of on the exterior, and they started coming into our home. We trusted them a lot more as these over a lot of time, but we eventually started trusting them a lot more. All right. Um, it said, just to give you kind of a time frame, it said that the first true domesticated dog was 33,000 years ago. Which, if you think about it, that's a long time. It's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And just kind of some other just bits here. Like, our relationship with dogs precedes Neanderthals. That's how long we've had this relationship. There were still Neanderthals walking around on the Earth when we started kind of making these contacts with dogs. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Wait, aren't, aren't like... Well, this is probably a bad fact check. Aren't, like, redheads... Part Neanderthal. <laughs> Isn't that what they think? I have no idea. I've heard I that. mean, it's said that a lot of redheads come from Ireland. It's said that there was just, like, this group that was less mixed with Homo sapiens that kind of migrated up towards so the British Isles. And they yeah. got stuck on Ireland. So they? Irish people are Neanderthals. That explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, to all my Irish friends, I love you. Yeah. that's. I mean, that's a, such a fascinating question. I love those questions. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, just people have become so different. You almost have to... Because we've mixed a lot with Neanderthals. Everyone has some Neanderthal in them. Right. Because that was just the way it, the way that genetics was. It was It's intermixed. I mean, it's not a lot, but, but we never some. we never mix with dogs, right? No. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to... I was getting a little nervous. Where Maybe that going. is where this future goes. <laughs> no, God. <laughs> That'd be awful. No, but they've just... They've progressed in this way that... They're just such a huge part of our lives, which I which I love. Um, so kind of just moving forward with this. Um, as human jobs and occupations changed throughout the last 30,000 years, mm-hmm. dogs' jobs changed too. That's why dogs look the way they do. Is that you why have, they're fat now? Yeah, you got fat, fatter, bigger dogs for guarding. Uh-huh. You've got thick, like thin, sorry, not thick, thin dogs, thin dogs for racing, like uh-huh. we talked about earlier. Um, longer dogs, which I think is interesting, to kind of flush out badger holes. Oh, like you a wonder, dog. Yeah, like you wonder why dogs are more like long, which I feel like terriers are sometimes kind of long too. Right. And they would get in there and kind of flush out those. So like, hey, animals. Jimmy, go get that badger out of that there hole. He's like, he's like, I'm all long. I can get in that hole. You get it like Slim Jim. I call him Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Slimmy Jimmy. So they're, so like wiener dogs and like terriers, or what was the other one you said? I think terriers are a little, they were used terriers. They're just, yeah. they're basically just like, plungers for <laughs> pests pest plungers yeah for hunting yeah and that was a lot of what the dogs were used for too was hunting and of course you got like herding dogs too like right. shepherd dogs yeah like if you go mountain lion like still today if you go mountain lion hunting i i would say there's a very small percentage of people who hunt mountain lions who 
go without a dog. Like, you need dogs. Yeah. You need dogs to hunt a mountain lion. Absolutely. Because they're big, scary cats. Who do you know that's hunting a mountain lion? <laughs> oh, I, have some, I know some people who hunt mountain lions. Dang. Basically, just bring a bunch of dogs, like, whatever yeah. dogs they are, and they just chase the mountain lion down, scare it up into a tree, you walk over to the tree and shoot and it. And shoot it. <laughs> it's super easy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's how you do it. You do it at night, too. <laughs> that's awful. <laughs> mountain lions are so cool. <laughs> that just goes Crash. back to the dog versus cat rivalry. It does. Yeah. Dogs won. Yeah, dogs are winning. <laughs> so I wonder, like, a tiger. Like, if a Great Dane tiger showed down, would the tiger get scared, or would the Great Dane get scared? God, a tiger's, like, almost... Like eight hundred pounds though. That Great Dane is tiny. Yeah, I have to think I that the tiger would would probably win that one. But like, is the elephant and the mouse thing? It's true. Yeah, I don't know. Huh. That's a good question. Let's let's stage one. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next week for the tiger versus Great Dane in Ryan's backyard and page. It'll be fun. It'll Tickets probably are... cost us about two hundred fifty grand, but and, we'll do it. a legal settlement. <laughs> No, we do not condone animal cruelty whatsoever. We well, love dogs. Well, Ryan's speaking for himself, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> oh, man, that's hilarious. All right, so, like I said, human jobs are changing. Um, of course, I think everything, honestly, so many things come back to the Industrial Revolution, and mm-hmm. dogs do too. As the Industrial Revolution happens, things become, things become easier to make and quicker to make them. Mm-hmm. Um, humans have a lot more time on their hands. And you have these rich people that have all this time on their hands. And I think, I, I wrote this down, and this is such an interesting fact. There was a shift in cities when the Industrial Revolution happened, and people started living more in cities. You had farm animals living in cities a lot. They kicked those dudes out. The cows, the pigs, the chickens. They got outsourced, <laughs> if you will. Wow. To the country, which is where more farms would be. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay? But the one animal to stay was dogs. And as people have this time on their hands, they've got this dog, and the dog almost turns into, like, a hobby for them. So that's when kennel clubs start showing up. It's like the late 1800s, right around when the Industrial Revolution was happening. Right. These rich, mostly British, I'm sure it started with the British, these people had a lot of time and money on their hands to kind of pour themselves into something. So they start basically selectively breeding dogs. Okay. And that is 100% the reason why we have dogs the way they are now. That's why poodles are a thing. That's why smaller dogs are a thing. So, like, before the Industrial Revolution, most dogs were, like, pretty wolf-like? No, I mean, they were still, like, ter- like smaller dogs for hunting bigger dogs. Right. There was a There was a variation, but it really wasn't until about 150 years ago that you would see as drastic okay. as a difference as you and do like now. And, like, the chihuahuas and the mastiffs yeah. and yeah. the labs. Okay. Absolutely. Bulldogs. Like Collies. Those, yeah. A lot of these yeah. dogs are looking, I don't want to say pretty similar, but similar. Right. Okay. There's so many different kinds of dogs now. Yeah. I think it's, like, there's 180 breeds or something like that, which is just breeds. That's not Damn. even mixes. Yeah. That's not even coming to mutts. Absolutely. You go to the pound, you see a dog that has 180 <laughs> parents, like 180 pieces of dog. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, we, it's interesting where we live. We get the res dogs. Right. Yeah, which are just basically wild dogs. Yeah, they've evolved to, like, <laughs> just launder around gas stations and yep. pick Slim Jims and Twinkies <laughs> all the tourists. It all comes back to the Twinkie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, with that, just kind of wrapping this up, just kind of we're in current times. Um, a lot of that selective breeding led, led to a lot of health problems, mm-hmm. um, which is why bulldogs have like breathing problems. German shepherds have knee problems. Like 
wiener dogs have back problems. There's like, <laughs> I mean, he's he's turning into a you. <laughs> Gravity's gonna take its toll on the poor wiener dog. It's gonna become a you dog. <laughs> what used to be a wiener is now a you. <laughs> that doesn't happen to me. <laughs> Somebody had to say it. <laughs> oh, oh, man. But I just think it's so amazing now because there's a whole other great video, which I didn't have time, obviously, to go into. But there's a whole great video about, I think it's the same. It's Ted Ed does the same thing uh -huh. on the dog sense of smell. And I definitely recommend checking it out. Because, like I said, I don't want I kind of want to wrap this up here. But um, the science behind the dog sense of smell is fascinating. They can smell the past. They can smell the future. They can smell emotions. They can wow. smell how you're feeling. And that's what's so amazing about dogs now is they understand us so much more than we think. Yeah. They And that's the reason why they have integrated the way they have into our society and why they're so important to us is because they literally can understand how we feel, what we're thinking, what like when we're coming home, when we're gone. They They know so much more than we think. And... Like I said, I didn't want to spend too much time talking about how amazing dogs are, because that's clear to me. I freaking love dogs. But they're just an incredible animal, and they were, humani like I said, humanity's first domesticated animal, which domesticating animals, going back to the history of it, is a huge reason why humanity has progressed the way it has. Our ability to Absolutely. control our food, and honestly, with dogs, our ability to protect our food, protect ourselves, mm -hmm. and help us get food, too. Man, and look at that. Our mortal enemy of the past is now lounging on your lap as you're listening to this podcast. Their best friend. Absolutely. Nuts. So, yeah, man. That's the history of dogs. Good stuff, man. Thanks, dude. That was a good one. Yeah, man. I'm glad, it, little... wasn't, I'm glad it wasn't Twinkies. Yeah, I mean, I think Twinkies would have been, well, more satisfying. Ah, but debatable. <laughs> more creamy satisfying, if you know yes. what I mean. Yes, yeah, more creamy. Yeah. Definitely more creamy. Not as juicy, though. No. But just as processed and altered with. Yeah, but not as Slim Jimmy, for sure. <laughs> not as Slim Jimmy. Except for those you dogs. Those are Slim Jimmy. Poor guys. They'll get there eventually. Good. Yeah, yeah, we're going to keep rolling. You're about to... Good to stuff. Yeah, I guess it's my turn. Yeah, well, so like, like we said before, let us uh, let us know if you have any thoughts about dogs. Anything to share. We're just, we're just eager for feedback. We are. Let us know what you think. Hit us up on our email. Yeah. Bollies of History at gmail.com. Cool. All right. And uh, here Jared goes. Jared's uh, Jared's just cracked a beer. I have. It was the most beautiful sound. I wish I had pressed play. Pl play. I wish I had pressed play. Yeah. Like 30 seconds or two seconds before. <laughs> you know, and what's funny about these is um, these are courtesy of my friend Rob. Hey, Rob. Hope you're listening. Um, we're on the lake, and they were selling these beers. They're craft beer. And they were selling them at the boat. The, the 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 gas dock for five bucks a six pack. Wow, five bucks. What is that? Is you that a new Belgian beer? No, it's called Colorado Native. Okay. I I don't even know if it's made in Colorado. It's made in Golden, but okay. The owners are probably from Milwaukee. Yeah, <laughs> it's making their riches. Yeah, but anyway, so I'm ready, and right, um, yeah. my story has um nothing to do with dogs, but that's totally fine. I feel like we we flowed so good last time. Right. Yeah. Let's so we'll, float, we'll, let's float we'll tie it together. Let's float, let's squirm our arm, our little baby chubby arm. Let's squirm. Let's, let's throw it over there and hit something off the table. We're open our hands. <laughs> and we're gonna grasp, grasp our little baby hands. Man, at what age? Somebody answer this question. 
At what age does a baby finally have the ability to grab something? Oh, man. With its mouth or its hand? I mean, like, by mouth, it's, like, day one. A nipple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who's not trying to grab a nipple in their mouth? <laughs> but with their hand. That's probably the first thing they try to grab. Yeah. One of the first things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, <okay>. we... <laughs> I know it was for me. Hey. Hey. All right. Okay, anyways, um, so what I want to talk about, I just got off this Grand Canyon trip, right? Yeah. And um, there's a million things I could talk about the Colorado River. But some of the bigger stories and my favorites I wanted to save. So I chose to focus in a little bit and get a little more into the nitty-gritty of the Grand Canyon. Okay. So first of all, just a little backstory: Grand Canyon, right? Everyone knows Grand Canyon National Park. You go to the south room and the north room. Ooh, ah, the river's a mile below us. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, you're not seeing a big part of it. Like, you're probably seeing, you know, like maybe... 25-ish miles in either direction on a clear day. Yeah. Um, but how the river goes, what's within Grand Canyon National Park is 277 miles of river. Yeah. Okay, starting at Lee's Ferry, which is right here by Page, all the way to a place called Grand Wash Cliffs, which is essentially the top of Lake Mead. Mm-hmm. So the river at that point is very flat, low. Yeah. Um, which is so far. That's like basically from here to Vegas. Like 277 Vegas. miles. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a so far. long distance, right? And... Um, as probably anybody knows, or most people know, um, one of the most famous things about the Grand Canyon and the Colorado River through the Grand Canyon are the, the tours, not the tours in the water. Oh, the fish, not the fish, oh, the people. Man. No. So when water goes over a drop, a constriction, it forms oh. a... A typhoon. No. <laughs> a waterfall. A rapid. Ryan. Oh, a rapid. A rapid. So. It's not a Twinkie. Goodness, it's not a Twinkie. No, it's not a Twinkie. But the rapids. A right? rapid. So. Of course. The the Grand Canyon is, like, famous for having some of the biggest whitewater, the biggest runnable whitewater in North America. So huge. Big-ass rapids. Water turns white when it gets angry. That's correct. Right. Okay. So, um. In the Grand Canyon, there's a lot of rapids. Mm-hmm. There's ripples that on other riffle that on other rivers you'd call a rapid. There's a lot of rapids. Um, they go from a scale of one to ten. This is only on the Colorado River through the Grand Canyon. One mm-hmm. being a baby rapid, ten being either massive, massive waves. So wait, this is just comparative to the Grand Canyon. This isn't like correct the Grand the Canyon. Whole... The Grand Canyon has to use its own rating system because of the water fluctuations coming out of the Glen Canyon Dam. Oh, okay. So they go zero to Makes ten sense. instead of zero to five, which is more common. Okay. Because um, it's con- the water that's coming through there is controlled. Correct. Which we talked about correct. last week. And yeah. that changes a lot, so they have to yeah. have this rating system. Okay. So one small rapid, ten big. Either big or incredibly difficult to navigate. Mm-hmm. All right? So like a class ten rapid, like on the woohoo scale, means massive waves. So, mm-hmm. I mean, like some of the waves in the Grand Canyon, you know, like 20, 25 feet tall. Okay? <laughs> Nuts. It's a river. <laughs> no, it's, it's massive. That's on a river. That's insane. Right? That's so crazy. And then class 10 on a boatman's scale means it's incredibly difficult to navigate. There's mm-hmm. rocks. You have to row hard or motor hard to avoid certain areas where you're going to find yourself in trouble, flip a boat, things like that. Mm-hmm. So I want to focus on one of those special rapids. Awesome. And she has a special name. Oh, it's a girl. And her name is Crystal. Crystal. Have you heard of Crystal Rapid? 
I feel like I've heard you mention it. Okay, well, you might have. But yeah. basically, um, so you think about a river, and you think about a river with rapids. Everybody imagine that. And think about how long those rapids have been there. So how long do you suppose those rapids in the Grand Canyon have been around? Well, here's what I was going to say, which I think is interesting. Obviously, it wasn't controlled when John Wesley Powell went through. No. But there were there were points where they had to literally pull their boats out of the water, oh, carry yeah. them on the shore because they could not go through the rapids. Plenty of times. Yeah. Plenty. And guess what happened when John Wesley Powell saw a crystal rapid? Oh, man. He probably had some profound quote. Mm-mm. He didn't. He rolled right over it because it didn't exist. Oh. That's an amazing segue. Right. That's crazy. So they change. They change. They have to change constantly. They do change constantly. Let me guess. From just as as time progresses, massive amounts of time. Mm-hmm. Where rocks fall. Yep. Earth changes. Natural events progress. Monsoons. Right. And you're you're hitting it right yeah. there. So crystal um, was just a little ripple, not a problem at all. So where Crystal Rapids at is uh, 98 miles downstream. 98.8. If you want to really from get Lee's to, Ferry, from Lee's Ferry. Okay. Um, at that point, Crystal Creek enters the Colorado River um, from the north, and Slate Creek comes in from the south. Okay. So tell me real quick, just to because I feel like just to help people with where this is. If I'm like ninety percent of people, yep, and I've been to the Grand Canyon, uh huh, I've been to the South Rim. Only ten percent of people go to the North Rim. Which, if you get a chance, go to the North Rim. It's amazing. Right. It's a, it's so much higher. You could see so much more. In Absolutely. Um, but anyway, if I'm like those massive amount of people, if I'm looking at it from one of the observations points near the Grand Canyon Village, uh-huh. where is it at? So if you're at like the South Room Visitor Center, mm-hmm. you look right down at the river, it would be, boy, not like a several miles um, west of where you're looking. Okay. So basically, when you look at the river from the South Rim, you don't see it. Yeah. What you're seeing is you can see the inner gorge mm-hmm. called the Granite Gorge where the Vishnu Schist comes up, some of the oldest rocks um, we have in North America. That's a funny word. <laughs> right. Vishnish. Yeah. So you don't even see the river because the Grand Canyon's going down, and then all of a sudden it constricts mm-hmm. above the river into this very narrow channel yeah. called the Granite Gorge. Yeah. And um, just to give you an idea of that constriction, the average width of the Colorado River mm-hmm. is 300 feet, okay, um, in the Granite Gorge. It gets down to beneath 100, the, the, the narrowest point being 76 feet. Yeah. So you can imagine a river, three, four, sometimes 500 feet wide, constricting down to 76 feet. Mm-hmm. That's going to cause a lot of turbulence. Yeah, right? because all that water is going from really spread out exactly. to in a really small space. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, if for any river guide out there, they know the Granite Gorge, that's where the biggest white water is. Um, well, except for Lava Falls, but mm-hmm. that's a different story. So, yeah, so if you're at the south rim looking down or north rim looking down, mm-hmm. think like 10 or so, 15 maybe miles west yep. of where you are. Um, so anyways, Crystal Rapid didn't exist. I mean, it was just a riffle. Mm-hmm. But in 1966, in December, a very freakish thing happened um, on the Kaibab Plateau, which is on the north rim of the Grand Canyon, uh, roughly 8,000 feet in elevation. Yeah, a big high, plateau on the, on the north side of the Grand Canyon. Um, received heavy rainfall in December, which is in weird. In December, yeah. In I was going to say, monsoon season is right now, yeah. like the late summer, early fall. So they get they get buried in snow in the wintertime, but this mm-hmm. freak storm came up, and in some areas dumped over 14 inches of rain. Wow. 14 inches. How many how many inches did we get last year? Um, 
average here is like seven inches per that's year. That's insane. Yeah, I knew you would know that. So that's Come over on. double. Yeah, that's, that's over that's... double the amount of rainfall we get in a year. year. That's nuts. In one storm in December. Okay? Holy crap! So all this water up on the rim. Um, it has to, to have come somewhere. in snow. It snows up there. It does. But so this, this is a rainstorm. It was a rainstorm. Okay. It was a rainstorm. I mean, there was snow too, but a lot yeah. of rain as well. Which I have to say, I've seen the Grand Canyon with snow. It's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But all that water has to go somewhere, and it has to go down. Yeah. So a lot of that water, you can imagine, like, pouring over the rims of the Grand Canyon. And Crystal Creek is one so of the larger beautiful. drainages. Yeah. So that drainage... Um, absorbed a lot of that water mm -hmm. and that water came cascading down as it comes cascading down it's mixing with the sediments oh it's bringing so many rocks boulders it's breaking out rocks yeah. right and that eventually makes its way down oh, into a giant man. rock mudslide yeah and spills into the colorado river wait this was in the 1900s of the century. Wait, wait. 1966 wow that was not even that long ago not oh, even that long God. ago at all right That's crazy so um I, I can't, I got a lot of this information from, well, some of it, from a book called The Emerald Mile. Mm -hmm. um, give the chance, read it, it's great. And mm -hmm. some from online that I forgot to write down the websites, but it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. But anyways, so 1966, um, before the rafting season starts, um, a guy who lives in the area is doing a flyover, he, he's, a, he's a pilot, he's doing a flyover the Grand Canyon, he notices something strange down at Crystal Creek. Mm -hmm. He sees a rapid that's never formed before. Um, so eventually, you know, Park Service gets down and they see, holy cow, you know, we have this brand new rapid. And how rapids work is there's a drop, right? So all this debris flowing in the channel created some really rough water. And the water is dropping over that debris. So what formed was a few interesting things. The first is something called um, a boulder garden. Basically, not a rock garden, but boulders. You know, like thinking like car-sized boulders mm -hmm. lodged in the middle of the channel. Yeah. Extremely difficult to get around. Yeah. At the very top end, the upstream side of the rapid, is what form was called crystal hole. So you can imagine if a bunch of water is pouring over a ledge going down, it forms like a hole, mm -hmm. right? On the back side of that hole is a wave. Yeah. You kind of get what I'm saying here? Yeah. Like, so, a, like a wiener dog. Like a wiener dog, exactly. Like an upside down, upside down wiener dog, or you dog, if you listen to the last segment. Yeah, right. Um, so a, a big, massive hole there, and that yeah. that wave in that hole is typically like you know twenty twenty five feet tall. Yeah. Massive, oh my god. Huge That's wave. Insane. So it was really difficult, really difficult for people people to navigate. Um, and any boatman who's listening to this. When they hear the word crystal, or like hear crystal rapid, they're you're just like, oh, they're probably cracking the beer as we speak, thinking yeah. about how to run this. And um, even on that trip that I went, you can see like the guides when you get near that, the intensity is definitely mm -hmm. ticked up a few notches as they get ready for it. So this whole new rapid forms, and then um, boatmen are trying to figure out how to run this. Lots of boaters are flipping over. Mm -hmm. um, it is currently the deadliest rapid in the Grand Canyon. Wow. It's also and the it newest. Just, yeah, it also just formed. It's right, crazy. to give you an idea of like how difficult and I think like you is. tell me if this is true. I think it must add to the complexity of that section of the river when it just happened. Geologically speaking, fifty years, which is how long it that mm -hmm. how long ago that was, fifty years is nothing. No. So I'm sure it's changing almost every day. Rocks are moving, rocks are shifting, just with water as it passes over it. Absolutely. Right, and I mean, and humans have only had, you know, a little over sixty years to mm -hmm. figure out how to run the thing. Yeah, and now they can, you know, they figure out pretty well, but it still throws a lot of boats over. Yeah, kills a lot of people. So then, as if that wasn't enough, this new rapid, which is a class ten, 
very much one of the most difficult rapids to run in the canyon. Um, Things get worse um, in 1983, right? So 1983, um, a lot of people heard for the first time of this weather phenomenon that we decided to name El Nino. Mm. So upstream 98, well, no, not over 98, like 103.8 miles at the Glen Canyon Dam, Lake Powell is rising because mm-hmm. they've had a massive snowpack. Um, Glen Canyon Dam has to release massive, massive amounts of water mm-hmm. in order to, to save the water from crippling Glen Canyon Dam from saving it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the highest point, the high point. If you go to Lake Powell, you can literally see that. Yeah, you actually where don't. What you see is like the high flow mark. 1983 flood was significantly above that. It was. Within, it was. It was within six feet of the crest of the dam. What? Six feet of the crest of the dam. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. that's an amazing amount of water. Lake Powell was over 100 percent full. Well over. Oh wow, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, wasn't well, good. Right. Cool. So they had to pull out all the stops and release enough water, which is that's a whole other story. Is what happened with the dam at that time. Yeah. But they had to release a lot of water downstream. Yeah. So, for instance. Um, just an idea of water volume. We measure that in cubic feet per second. Mm-hmm. So a basketball, that's roughly one cubic foot. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was on the river today. The river was running at about 9,500 cubic feet per second. Yeah. Um, the high points this year have been around 19,500 cubic feet per Jeez. second. So to get put that in your head, that's 19,500 basketballs of water every passing you every second. second okay. 1983, the releases from the dam um, jumped to 50,000 oh cubic my feet per God. second to 70,000 cubic feet per second and maxed out at 92,000 oh cubic feet per second. Okay, And it's crazy because if you go go look at the dam where we mm-hmm. live, it's amazing. We drive over it every day. Right. Almost. There are these massive holes on either side of the dam, probably, yeah. what would you say, 100 yards in front of the dam. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy to watch it when they release water. Because it's these these two massive just turrets of water. <laughs> oh yeah. But ninety thousand. Right. That is so much water. Right. It's I want to like, know like how many swimming pools that is per second. Oh, it's like so many acre feet. Yeah. I go into that. But yeah, that could be a fact check for somebody to look up. But anyways, so, so they saved the dam, but downstream, something even scarier has happened in the Grand Canyon. The rapids, some of them are being washed out, and they're no longer rapids. Some of them are becoming incredibly nasty, mm-hmm. especially Crystal. So Crystal Rapid, during this flood, um, especially when it was at 70,000 cubic feet per second, um, this was in June, June 26th, I mentioned that hole, the Crystal Hole, right, with the mm-hmm. 20, 25 feet standing wave. Mm-hmm. That wave continued to rise as the water levels rise, and it peaked at about 45 Oh my gosh. 45 feet tall. That's insane. That's like taller than any building in this whole town. That's that's your house stacked up on edge. That's That's a wall of water that you're going into. Wow. Right. I I mean, it's crazy because it's funny because when you go to right at the base of the dam, Mm -hmm. obviously except during this time, it's just like a... Just a nice, easy river. Oh, yeah. You can float down it. You could Very honestly, much. like, lay on your back in the water and just float down it. Yeah. But then it gets 100, 100 miles downstream. 
it's it's nuts. And it's just oh it's my god, forty five feet. That's insane. This torrent of yeah. water, right? Wow. So some really nasty things happen. Yeah. Um, so on that on the trip that I was on, we were on what's called an S rig, mm-hmm. and that the dimensions of that boat are thirty eight feet long, fourteen feet wide, um, steel frame, steel hull, and it has a pivot in the center so it can flex, you know, mm-hmm. forwards and backwards going over these rapids. During this flood, um, people were hitting Crystal and just getting wrecked. Yeah. Um, those were people on oar boats. Yeah. Oar boats are 14, 16, maybe 18 feet long. Little guys, yeah. They're little. They're going to get tossed around a lot. You're basically and, on a stick. Right. <laughs> and the benefit of these motor rigs is they're so long, yeah. so much mass. They have a motor behind them. When it comes to these big rapids, you just hit them straight, straight on, yeah. gun the motor, and you're going to roll right over it. Yeah. So in especially if it flexes in the middle. Exactly. Yeah. But in 1983, something pretty wild happened, and it was a company called Tour West S-Rig, so probably roughly 38 feet long, 40, 40, 14 feet wide, going through with a dozen or maybe 15 passengers. They hit Crystal Hole right in the center. And you can look up pictures of this. Wow. And this 38-foot boat gets to the bottom of the hole. The boat crests up over the top of the wave. And it can't make it through. And the boat folds back on itself and literally just pretty much snaps in half. Oh, my God. It's blown to smithereens. Results in the evacuation of every single passenger. Lots of concussions, injuries, and the death, actually, of a 62-year-old named Bill Work. Wow. I'm surprised only one person died. Mm -hmm. So, but in response to that, the Park Service um, decided to close the rapid. They sent down one of the rangers who worked on the river... um, his name was John Thomas, and he actually had to stand at the edge of Crystal Rapid. Um, as commercial trips were going through, he'd just command, they'd pull over, yeah. um, they'd pull to the side of the river, and he'd have the passengers walk around the rapid downstream, and mm-hmm. only the captain and the swamper would go through the rapid because it was just too dangerous. Wow. So they had to close the rapid. Jeez, so big. How often has that ever happened? That's the only time that's happened. Wow. Yep. Jeez. Yeah. That's crazy. There was a total How that I've... day. There was a total of like ninety six people in the water. Um, people getting just boats getting dumped over. Man, and only one person died though. That's crazy. But I mean, mm-hmm. flipping a boat, that's got to be terrifying. You can hit. You can hit a rock at any time. Like you said, exactly. concussions. Obviously, I'm right. huge. I'm sure. So, I'm gonna do something a little different next week. Okay. And um, I have to segue into it now. Okay. Because okay? I had to tie my story to this because okay. this is a, a really an incredible story. Okay. So you can imagine... Um, one-two punch. Right. John Thomas. He's a river ranger mm-hmm. for the Grand Canyon National Park, okay. meaning he is an adept boatman. He's done lots of trips through the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. He knows the guides. He knows how the river is run, things mm-hmm. like that. He's down here flagging over people to pull over... Um, make sure they can't go through this rapid. Yeah. And during the day, he sees something really strange. He looks upstream, and he sees a small wooden boat rowing down hard towards Crystal Rapid with three men on board. He has no idea what they're doing. They don't have guests. They don't have a lot of gear. But these three guys are just rowing downstream towards Crystal with no intent in stopping. I know this story. And he wonders, yeah, what in the hell are these guys doing? Oh, man, I'm so excited that you're telling me. And after a few seconds, he knows exactly what they're doing. And when they met Crystal, um, things got pretty nasty as well. Oh, can I say what they're doing? 
Huh? Can I say what they were doing? I don't think we can. Okay, okay, okay. Well. Oh, it's it's so exciting because I've heard it. It is exciting. But I've heard it in such a basic basic level. I'm excited for you to dive into yeah. it. It well, is maybe such could, a good story. Maybe we could tell him. So yeah. he looks at these guys and he he sees them coming. Like, what's this dory doing? This wooden boat, tiny wooden boat, mm-hmm. doing by itself on the Grand Canyon. Obviously rowing fast towards Crystal Rapid. He recognizes the guides and he knows instantly. And he looks at them with a little envy. A little anger. Um, a lot of jealousy, right? Yeah. And he realizes that these guys are rowing illegally. And they are trying to break the speed record going through the Grand Canyon. Yep. That's what I thought. I'm so excited. And i got to leave it at that. Cool. I can't and wait. That's a story. It's a fascinating story. I, I cannot wait to hear it. It really is. Yeah, because if you go down on the... Uh, on your guys' tour, where you work, mm-hmm. and you go down, like like we talked about before, from the beginning of the uh, Glen Canyon Dam to Lee's Ferry, it's how many miles? Uh, 15. 15, and then that's when, after Lee's Ferry is when the Grand Canyon starts. Mm-hmm. But I've always heard little bits about it. Yeah. I cannot wait to hear it. You dive into it. Right. This is, yeah, and it perfectly ties back into this. I'm and it, it all came into a head at Crystal, too, so. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to it, man. Great job, dude. All right. Thanks, dude. Yeah, that Crystal was a lot of fun. Crystal Springs. Crystal And our boy Johnny. Johnny? What's his name? John? Yeah, it's John, right? Johnny. Yeah. Johnny Thomas. Johnny Thomas, man. Great man. Man. Great man. We should bring him on the podcast. We should. Is he still alive? John Thomas, if you're out there, email us. We'd love to have you here in page. What's our email again, Jared? Volleys of History at uh, uh, <laughs> gmail.com. Gmail.com. All right. Well, good job, man. We're Thanks gonna... for listening, y'all. We love you. And uh, we're going to wrap it up right now. Yep. Just clean it. Just clean it up, man. All right, y'all. Sweep that. Just sweep it up in a little pan. Thanks for listening. Get yourself a Twinkie. Get yourself a Twinkie. Go pet your you dog. And until next time, this is Jared. And this is Ryan. And this has been Volleys of History. Absolutely. Adios.